0: are back after several months and several technical difficulties. Welcome to episode 21 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar.
1: Oh, that's me. <laughs> yes,
2: that's you. That's not the Get rough off. swing
1: of it. Craft had Beer had Cellar. Show. What?
2: should have had Craft a practice be- show.
1: I know, right? Craft Beer Cellar is a family of retail craft beer stores focused on amazing beer, hospitality, and education with 25 locations in 11 states across the country. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you, but not near me because they're not out here yet.
2: Oh, wait, that's me. Here we go. (laughs) It really works for me. You can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by joining in our conversation. You can follow us on Twitter, at PubTheology. Use the hashtag PTLive if you're tweeting or throwing in a question or a comment. Uh, like us on Facebook at PubTheology. Uh, comment for your chance to win beer. At the end of the month, we will take um, I guess the wittiest comment. A purely subjective um, determination here. Um, but Go for it anyways. We've had some proud winners. Anyways, uh you could watch us always live Tuesday nights at pubtheology.com slash PT live or listen to us at any time on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or any of your favorite podcast catchers.
0: Absolutely, you can. And uh you know, we've uh had a little bit of a break here and something called summer happened in the middle, so we thought we'd you know, catch up a bit on our summers, and maybe we should introduce ourselves. My name's Brian Burkoff. I'm a pastor and author of the book, Pub Theology, and I'm in Holland, Michigan, and with us also is Tina Simmons and Ogan Holder. Welcome, Tina.
1: Hey. <laughs> it's good to be back. You know, I, I realized that I was the one who um, compared the intro music to a 70s porn, but I really missed it. <laughs>
2: Wow. The music or the porn? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: the music.
2: Okay. You know, the, it does have that sort of. Bang, bang, bang. It's true. It's hey, true. We, we we had options, and that's the one we voted for. So we did, and now I'm kind of used to it. You know,
1: I, and like I said, yeah, I, I kind of missed it. Uh,
2: and and um, this is and welcome, Hogan. I am here in um, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Um, I am. <laughs> The senior minister of unity on the river in the town over Amesbury, Massachusetts. And if you're listening to the audio, I highly encourage you to go to um, the YouTube page for Pub Theology or the website and look at the video because otherwise you're, you're missing Brian yeah. by candlelight. Brian is sitting outside <laughs> of his house right now on the back porch. It's, it's beautiful ambiance, but it's getting rapidly darker. Yeah, yeah, the sun has set. <laughs> he's holding up a candle so that we can see. So you got
1: two face. He's like orange and nothing.
2: <laughs> this is this is the this is the knock the rust off show this is what this is episode episode 22 I can't guarantee we will be any better but <laughs> we're
0: we're actually going to uh delete this broadcast and do a non-live show that we actually put up on
2: the podcast I think oh oh oh, oh, oh no 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 this one's going up
0: <laughs> <laughs> And so what are we drinking tonight guys Let's not forget um, that
2: I am uh going back to one of my favorites because it is still summer it is still hot and humid here and or I should say warm and humid rather up in uh Massachusetts, so you know me, I like my summer shandies, so this is the curious traveler, lemon shandy, Like, refreshing, and tasty. I'm curious. i curious.
1: I bet I would like that. That's a local one, you said, Oven?
2: No, I think, um, I don't know who makes this. Traveler, they're all over, the, I've seen them all over the place.
1: So. Oh, okay, because I, I haven't seen them, I'm so just curious. Um, so, we'll talk about it a little bit when we do a recap of our summer, but I'm drinking a Vantucky pale ale
2: that up beer Ooh. too
1: and I'm I'm excited about that because uh yeah because it's from heathen Brewing which is a local brewing company in Vancouver Washington because one of my big things this summer was I moved to the west coast um so yeah I'm, I'm drinking that because that's my favorite beer it's awesome and I'm drinking it out of a left-handed brewing glass because I still love left-handed brewing um because I'm left-handed so there you go I'm, I'm honoring two different brands tonight how about that
2: Okay, that's weird.
0: Wow, you've got got it, got it covered. You got it covered, <laughs> and you can't see it because I am literally uh, joining you in the dark here. So I uh, think I'm starting to hear a cricket. crickets. <laughs> I'm hoping it is beer that I'm drinking. I am drinking Short's Brewing Space Rock, an American pale ale, hopped with some tasty little nuggets of alien technology. So there's okay. the uh, ale, Space Rock, also gluten-free for those uh, keeping score at home. Okay.
2: If we see any lights in the background, we'll know it's the aliens coming back for their bears.
0: Yeah, that. And irks. not
1: lightning bugs. <laughs>
0: that, well, we have lightning bugs, and recently we saw some shooting stars from
2: this very spot. So nice. Can't Can't so uh, we're doing this by candlelight, and that, that's just freaking me out right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like I'm in exile somewhere doing an illegal. <laughs> internet uh, broadcast live on location <laughs> I could be taken away at any moment this is breaking news <laughs> oh my Lord. So, what happened this summer guys or what is happening I know who wants to go first ladies why don't we, why don't we yeah ladies first why don't we hear about the move
1: um, well I had a, a summer of ups and downs um, like some of the best times of my life and some of the worst um, I, so in January like or I'm sorry January listen to me in June I think it was the week after we we stopped the show a week or two after this, we stopped the show um I moved from Virginia to Washington and I'm super excited about it I love it out here it feels like home to me um it there's just an energy out here that it it I I feel like I belong here but so it's been a lot of hiking um Um, there's always outdoor festivals going on, something going on. There's farmer's markets everywhere. It's just, it feels like my country. Um, I had to go back to Pennsylvania in July. Um, my mom had passed away. Um, so it was definitely (laughs) down part of my summer. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, she, she knew I was coming out here and I knew she was going to pass away soon. And she had given me her blessing to go, um, so it's 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 been an emotional time for me but I'm I love my new house. Um it's like a sanctuary for me. It's just perfect. And um I don't know, I'm excited to see what life holds for me for for here on out. Um I I, I didn't say it earlier for anybody who's new to watching. I'm Tina. I'm the layperson on the show as Ogan likes to call me. Um I'm an online business manager. And uh yeah, I just love talking and um just having deep conversations about Religion and, and society and life.
2: I love how you're always posting pictures of the outdoors where you are. It seems like you have moved to like a whole other planet.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like it. It really does.
2: Mm.
1: And you know what I love is sometimes it hits 90 here. Like it, it actually almost got to 90 today. Um, but it's still cool at night. Like it's still 60 degrees. And they're not. Ki- like when people in Portland complain about the humidity, I just laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like coming from Virginia you people have no idea um but yeah you you know you shut your house up during the day and and you open it up at night and you don't even have to turn the air on it's just it's gorgeous out here mm-hmm. and we got lucky we were, we were renting a place from friends and they had planted a whole bunch of gardens um before they left like vegetable gardens and they have flowers and it's it's just so pretty I don't know you guys have to come out and visit me
0: Sounds terrific, and we do need to come out and visit. Yeah, and listen condolences uh, with your mom's passing, Tina, and uh, yeah, our thoughts are have been with you. And Thank you. What And what a summer. I mean, compared to you, I, I feel like it's just been kind of even keel, uh, but a move is, is a big thing, no small thing, but it sounds like you're handling it and finding yourself in a good place, so that's awesome.
2: I'm still contemplating a a Thanksgiving visit. Yeah. I haven't, haven't given up on that idea yet.
1: Um, yeah. I might be going away for Thanksgiving now, so you better set Wait, your uh, set your schedule straight here if you're gonna.
2: Well, where are you going?
1: We're talking about going to Hawaii. What? All right, on the west coast now. It's a lot closer.
2: Jeez, <laughs> that's true. Well, figure it out and let me know. I'm not gonna. If you guys are going to Hawaii, there's no point in me coming over there.
1: Well, you figure it out and let us know.
2: So wait, if I come, you're not going to go to Hawaii? We'll yeah. talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> I forget sometimes we're doing a show. Exactly,
0: exactly. Well, how was your summer, Rogan?
2: Um, uh, like Tina, some some downs and ups. Um, in uh end of June, um, celebrated um, the anniversary, I guess, observed, not really celebrated, but observed uh, anniversary Jennifer's passing, mm-hmm. my, my wife who passed away last year. Um, and that that was quite um, an unexpected not emotional upheaval not that I didn't expect it but it it was much more intense than I had anticipated um, so so worked through that did a lot of work with some energy healers and um, it was it was quite the event um, but the two highlights of summer was um, got myself a motorcycle I am the proud oh. owner writer of a of a twenty thirteen triumph Bonneville, I'm having a blast with that well done. Um, some people thought I was going through a midlife crisis, and I said no this is this is a bucketless item that um, was on the list for a while, so um,
1: I was gonna say you belong on a motorcycle I could see you I could see you riding
2: I'm having a lot of fun uh, with it it's 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 nice I pretty much write it to work every day as long as there's um a forty percent chance. Of rain or less under 40%, I'm writing. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, also, Joy and I went to Europe. Um, we went to Barcelona and Paris. Barcelona was her dance company um, with some like nonprofit dance organization that takes uh, dance companies places around the world. They went and did some performances, so that was a lot of fun. And then she and I um, spent a few days in Paris, just the two of us, um, that was amazing. I'd been to Paris as a teenager, but like I was 13 or 14 at the time. But now as an adult, I have a whole new, deeper appreciation for that place. Joy's already decided uh, when high school's done. She's taking a gap year. She's gonna go live in Paris for a year.
1: Oh, I love it.
2: And um, we 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 really fell in love with the place all over again. Um, and it was it was interesting that in light of all the you know, the terrorist stuff that's been going on in Europe, especially in France, were the, the security was very heightened. I mean, lots of heavily armed security, you know, police and military patrols all over the place. But, you know, the French are the French, and they're still doing life with that, you know, aloof, you know, bon vivant that they do it. And um, we still had a great time. We ate a ridiculous amount of food. Um and did a ridiculous amount of shopping. We had to buy a whole new suitcase to bring all the stuff back. Uh, all the clothes that we bought. Um but yeah. I think
1: that's you more than her, wasn't it?
2: We had a blast. I'm mm. not gonna admit anything. Not gonna admit anything.
1: Right.
2: You know, you look you got yeah, I may not know what I'm doing, but gosh darn it, I'm gonna look good while I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. So there you go. That was that was my summer. That's
1: my favorite quote of the night so far.
2: You're welcome. How about you, Brian? What were you up to?
0: Well, you uh, let's see. We've got uh, West Coast and East Coast represented, and I'm somewhere in the middle in the uh, in the Great Lake state of Michigan, where we do have also some coastline. And uh, you know, summer in Michigan's not too bad. We're about 15-20 minutes from some some great beaches, um, which we enjoyed over this past weekend. And I did a little traveling myself as well. I made it over to Scotland. Uh, early June on a pilgrimage to Iona, and that was just a fantastic uh, trip um, with the Shalem Institute, uh, sort of a contemplative pilgrimage, so really a chance to uh, have some silence and deep connection um, with the earth and with the um, monastic tradition that's been a presence on that island for 1,500 years, so that was pretty cool. Um, Also did some traveling to D.C. and Maryland, your old stomping grounds. Yep. Ogan and uh, it was good to be good to be there for a bit and and then I am now the parent of a teenager, my oldest son Henry, turned thirteen, and to mark that uh transition from childhood into teenagehood, I won't quite say adulthood yet um, we took a weekend up to an island uh in Lake Michigan where you sort of backpack and camp by backpacking so you take your gear. On a boat, about an hour ferry ride, and then you backpack on the island so you find a spot you like, and that was a great time. So
1: just the two of you, Brian?
0: Just the two of us. That's awesome. Like a little
2: initiation into
0: manhood. Yeah,
1: into manhood. Yep, I love exactly, it. Exactly,
0: exactly. So stuff like that. It's been a lot of fun, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a good summer. And I'm also in the process of helping start a new church community here in Holland, so we're ramping that up as summer. Comes to a close, so plenty to keep me busy.
2: Well, yeah, welcome, to, welcome to the club of parent and teenagers. Hang on, yeah, your, seriously, for a while, wild ride.
1: Brian, I can't wait to hear more about um, your your church development um, as the weeks go on. I think it's yeah, be really I'll keep really you
0: cool. posted. It's time to get the lighter out because it's, it's getting so dark. You know, oh so my gosh. <laughs>
1: we're you're at a making, concert now.
0: <laughs> <looking>, yeah, <laughs> we'll all over the keyboard just now. <laughs> so that,
1: Oh my gosh! I'm wait for a
0: magic moment when Ogan drops some spiritual wisdom, and I'm just gonna pull the lighter out. <laughs> oh my lord.
1: Um, wait. Can I mention like one of the highlights of my summer was I got to see UB40 in concert, and I yes, I realize how old that makes me, but it was freaking awesome. It was at the or- it was at the Oregon Zoo, and you could like see the elephants out there while you're watching. It was just it was Boom.
0: awesome. I got to see UB40. Nice. Well done.
1: And the Whalers opened up for him. What?
0: Nice. There you go. There you go. All right. So, um, the Summer Olympics are happening in Rio right now. Have you guys tuned in at all?
2: No, I don't. don't. (laughs) You've been traveling. Wait, no, that's not why. I don't have cable anymore. I don't have cable. It's called NBC. You don't need cable to catch it.
0: Do what now? You don't need cable to watch NBC. It just comes free over the air.
2: Oh, nobody didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Think of another excuse, Hogan.
2: Well, yes, it was, honestly, it was between the traveling and the coming back home and catching up. You know, when you go on vacation, like, you got to plan twice as hard. You got to work twice as hard the week before and the week after you get back, so.
0: Well, I'll give you a quick refresher. The Olympics are when nations from around the world get together every four years and do athletic competitions together. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've, I've still, I had my pulse, my finger on the pulse of what was going on. So, for example, I know. Here's what I know about the Olympics: the United States um, recently won their 1,000th gold medal. I didn't even know that. See, see, I'm I'm up on things. And then we had um, the 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 um, the women's gymnastic team from the U.S. They they won gold again, and oh. and Simone, I forget her last name, but the new. Biles. Gym, Phenom was just blowing folks out of the water. I saw some highlights online. I saw the pool turn green. Ooh. What? The pool. One of the diving pools turned green. Um, Apparently somebody accidentally put some hydrogen peroxide or something in it, and it reacted with the chlorine, and it turned green. And, you know, everybody started freaking out because of all the, you know, the the fears of pollution and all of that going on. Wow. um, and then there are athletes getting held up at gunpoint. Did you hear about this, Ryan? Locks. I yeah, did man. hear about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think the Olympics has been more fun outside of the sporting events with all the craziness that's been going on there.
1: It's like a reality show.
2: There, there you go. go. So, uh, do either of you have a favorite summer Olympic event? Hundred meter dash. It's always about the hundred meter dash, man. Why? And and, and Usain Bolt again winning. Yeah. Because, because other Olympic events can be like so drawn out and take a while and just, you know, all the scores and calculations and tabulates. Yeah, it's like finish running your 10 miles already. Exactly. This, With this is your ADD
1: <laughs> kicking in, Dogen. Oh,
2: <laughs> With the 100 meter dash, it's like that gun goes off 10 seconds. The thing's done. We have a winner, you know, and um, and Usain Bolt. Uh, once again cemented his place in in history and, and so did Phelps for that matter, Michael Phelps. Would...
0: That, that Usain Bolt uh, race was was awesome. Uh, I agree the 100 meter dash wi- women and men's is just it's so exciting because you know it's as you said, it's gonna be over in a flash and you know it's just that sheer speed is unbelievable.
2: And when you can generate or create a new internet meme, because you're running so fast, you have time to turn and smile at the camera. That's, <laughs> that's awesome sauce right there.
0: That's pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Do you have a favorite event, uh, Tina?
1: I don't watch the Olympics. I know oh, it kind of goodness. makes me un-American. What? I know. I, said, I, I saw the question, and I, I said to Will before this, I'm like, update me on the Olympics real quick so I know something. <laughs>
0: and now representing apathy in her third non olympics nice. it doesn't
2: make you season. an american it makes you an global citizen like, and that's what will said too Oh, I mean, come on this is, this is this is i mean i'm here rooting for you know my country barbados even though we don't have a large contingent but we did make we did make like the top 15 best dressed team at the oh, Open. You know. Kaboom! That, I mean, that's Cause, really cause what it's Ogun about. Because as Ogan
1: said, because as Ogan said, it doesn't matter if he knows what he's doing as long as he looks good doing it.
2: Exactly. And they looked good doing it. I think we lost your camera, Tina. I know what's going on. We yeah, hear she's, you. She's, she's,
0: she's speaking more. of the dark. I'm actually more visible now by okay. candlelight than Tina is.
1: Oh, I I don't know if I lost signal or what. I can still so we, hear you guys crystal clear
2: though. We can right. hear you crystal clear. All right, so... It's no worse that um, we can't see you. It's all good.
0: There was one event, uh, Men's Synchronized 10-Meter Platform Diving, in which the two Americans, uh, Steele Johnson and David Budia, hope I'm pronouncing that right, are Christians, and they noted how their faith impacts how they perform. Johnson said, the fact that I was going into this event knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of this competition is, just gave me peace. It gave me ease, and it let me enjoy the contest. And a lot of people were excited, a lot of Christians, hey, these guys, you know, stood up for their faith and uh, witnessed and all the rest. Just wondering how you feel about that sort of uh, response by an athlete, and also what you think about this idea of your faith giving you peace in such a big moment.
2: I don't see the atheists bragging. That's all I gotta say.
1: What does that mean?
2: (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm I'm saying I don't see the atheist bragging. So in in all (laughs) Does it strike you as bragging? Well, I I think in some ways and I could be wrong, but it almost seems that they're implying that because they're Christians, they have some edge over other competitors and where i am is like your your spiritual divine self that's 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 something everybody has that's the essence of everyone i don't think it gives them a particular leg up every athlete almost i think to compete at that level has to have more faith in themselves than anything else
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the way, I didn't hear the whole interview, but based on the statement that I read, I don't read it so much as them using their faith as in sort of God was on our side or he helped us do great, more that this is something that gives me a a wider sense of who I am than just my athletic career or performance, and therefore I have peace that no matter how this thing goes, I'm still me, the world is still as it is, and life will go on. So. I guess I saw it more as sort of a. This is this is this helps me cope under moments of big potential big stress.
2: Sure. Okay,
1: and, and when you say it that way, I, I get it. Um, and I think you know, like any person, uh, like Ogan said, any of those athletes at that level have to have that kind of peace and calm to have made it to that level. They just accredit it to different things, different religions, different. You know, everybody has a way of staying focused and centered and, you know, they, they called it Jesus and, you know, there's a big uproar. Everybody's excited about it because they called it Jesus, but other people call it inner peace. Other people call it whatever. Um, I kind of think it's all the same thing. We just call it different things.
0: There you go. I I mean, I, 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 do think the reaction to this is interesting. So for example, a lot of friends of mine who are Christians were, uh, we're really excited about this, and um, without overgeneralizing, I'll say more evangelical or conservative Christians because for many of them, like the, one of the highest things you can do is witness to your faith, and so they saw them doing something maybe even courageous or brave.
1: Um, what makes that do, brave, Brian? I what?
0: do wonder, well, because I think there's a false sense of Christians being persecuted in this country, which I personally don't think is true, but. So some people will see this as wow, you know, they said this in front of everybody and look how they took a stand for Christ. But I wonder how they would have felt if these were Muslims saying how their faith in Allah helped them perform I think they would have had a different
2: reaction.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there.
2: Yeah, I don't see I don't see the Muslims bragging either. Ooh.
1: And I think that's part of it. Like um Like a lot of people, like when you have that, you have that inner love and peace. You don't feel like you have to brag about it. And to go
2: back to what Brian was saying, um, he's right. I don't think the athletes themselves were bragging in any uh, way, shape, or form. I'll, I'll, I will give you that. But I think it's um, to refer to your your friends or or those who may be evangelical or just any Christian who were, I think uh, their reactions go to that place of implying that because this person has a certain belief or faith, it's given them either a a special dispensation or how courageous because they're not ashamed to share their belief, which almost implies that people who don't share their belief or their faith or their spirituality and those um, um, in that arena, are somehow not as brave, not as courageous, and um, I I think that's that's kind of not okay because again we have mm. people competing at this you know pinnacle of their athleticism, and I don't care what your belief system is if you don't train your ass off for four years you're not going to be at the Olympics like there's a certain measure of of you know exertion that I can't even comprehend that these athletes have to go through regardless of their faith, whether they believe in God or not, whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Buddhist, it you know, that's almost secondary. Yes, your faith can help ground you as Tina was saying, um, helps you find that sense of peace and center, maybe even something um that you can you can even dig deeper with at those moments when you need to go that extra bit. But again, it's not, you know, I'm sure there are many athletes out there who would who would say they're atheists or don't believe in God that are doing just as well.
0: Yeah, and it may be something else that gives them, allows them to, you know, perform at their peak in that moment or whatever. Um, I also find it interesting that, that that is such a value for certain um, a certain strand of Christianity, you know, this sort of well, they said they're Christians. It's like, hey, hey, hooray, you know, whereas other friends of mine, I guess you might call more progressive Christians, tend to value things like, hey, these people, you know, worked so that this family could immigrate um, or this migrant family had somewhere to live or this law, voting law was changed so that the disenfranchised have better access to voting. Or, and maybe that's an overgeneralization, but it seems to me that some folks tend to view people working for justice or the common good of humanity as a higher value. And some just say, hey, if you just tell people about Jesus, that's the number one value. Um, Marketing questions. Maybe. and I, you know, And I'm setting up a bit of a false dichotomy. I get that. I'm just saying this is a broad generalization that I've noticed both in conversation and even just by browsing my Facebook feed.
1: I don't think it's a false dichotomy. I've seen it too. It's, yeah. it's like the marketing Christians and the um, let's live like Jesus Christians.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, oh, oh. If, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if you guys could see all the bugs on my screen
2: right now, it would be <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you look almost sinister. I will tell you the the, the team that moved me the most mm-hmm. was the refugee team the team of athletes who were refugees and they competed under the Olympic flag. They had no, you know, acknowledged home country. And I thought that was great for the first time ever, um, especially the story of um, a young woman who was either a diver or a swimmer. I forget what she competed in, but she was one of the people who – left Syria and went to Greece and did the crossing on the boat and the boat got in trouble and her and her cousin literally jumped in the water and were like swimming and pushing the boat to get to shore and now she's competing at the Olympics. She continued her training uh, wherever she was. But, but for me, I think there was no greater um, demonstration of, of, of humanity or, or what the Olympics really means, bringing people together in that yeah. sense, mm. than that team, and I, 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 was very moved by them. Yeah, that's that's very cool. That's very cool. All
0: right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna transition us to um, really just talk about the idea of uh, God in general. Um, and so the question is, one, what do you think of when you hear the word God, and two, how do you define God? And has that definition changed for you over time? That's like a get a second beer question. Uh, yes, yeah, right? seriously. <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be right back after my hundred meter dash to the house. <laughs>
1: it's a good thing it's after the uh six thirty mark. Oh, I'm sorry, nine thirty mark to you guys.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Remember what time where you were? Yeah. <laughs> Tina's gonna have a fun night
2: after we're done here you know
1: that's what I say you guys start even drinking so early it's just downhill from here
2: <laughs> it is. I don't hear a thank you yet either by the way
1: oh okay and you probably won't um, so <laughs> oh. so to yeah. your question Brian um, in in my context um, God God to me growing up was like a father figure Um and, you know, more of a Christian God, and sometimes loving, sometimes punishing, and to me that was very confusing. So my version of God, when I hear the word God, has very much changed, but it depends on who's saying it to me, because God to me is a God of love, Um, don't always understand what's going on, but um, I trust that I I just don't know things, like I don't blame God for things, I don't think God's taking his wrath out on me. However, when I hear certain people say God, my version of God changes because it's their version of God. Um, so if, if somebody who believes a more traditional view of God than I do says the word God, I, I feel that wrathful God in their words. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
2: So it's like you you begin to identify with their description is what you're saying
1: yeah like like when somebody says God I don't I don't oh, like when I say God I picture my God that, right. that you know um, but if somebody else says God I don't always picture my God because I know that the God they're talking about isn't always the same if well, that makes no, any doubt. Sense.
0: no doubt no doubt it makes a lot of sense what about you Hogan what do you think of when you hear the word God and how do you define God
2: you know I'm I'm Recently, I mean, and when I say recently, I mean really recently, I'm beginning to take the Taoist approach, which is, you know, what the, and in the Tao it says those who uh, speak of the Tao don't know the Tao, and those who yeah. know the Tao can't speak of the Tao. I'm not professing to know, all there is to know, but I'm saying is that more and, more and more, for me personally, I am. I am. I am doing my best not to use words anymore. I like this. I've realized that that the words just don't encapsulate the the idea. If I were to use words at all, um, the I would say the 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 presence of all that is.
1: How can you be a minister and not use words?
2: I know, right? Welcome to it's the a, it's I very write. tricky. <laughs> Welcome to the paradox of my life. So so as a minister, I don't tell people what God is. As a minister, in my role as a minister, I think, is to help people find ways that they can unfold God within themselves mm. um, yeah. and not not to try and say to them, this is what God is. That's why even in, in my talk, I say, you know, in unity, we say that God fill in the blank. Um, you know, these are the parameters I'm using um. So so so. in and, and for me, it's like I the the words just don't don't sit well any anymore. It's it's just this expansiveness of presence, and yet this minuteness of presence that ultimately words words fail me.
0: I, I like that phrase, an expansiveness of presence. Uh, I definitely resonate with that as well. Uh, though it's interesting when you talk about my job as a minister is not to teach people about God or tell them who God is, like my entire ministry training was geared toward you are, your job is to tell people exactly who God is and how to understand God and to protect them from any heretical views about what God is not. Um, and uh, I guess I've been trying to untrain myself ever since then to, um, to, to the broadness of the mystery that It is God, and and like both of you, I I hold that there's um, a sense of awe, a sense of mystery, a sense of ultimately not knowing definitively, because we're talking about God.
1: Brian, take us back, though. When you you were in the midst of that training, were you like, yes, this is what I have to do, or did you have some nagging thing in your mind going, this doesn't quite sound right to me?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I... um, I mean, in some ways, I was sort of on board because it was training in the tradition I was raised in, and so I was kind of, uh, you know, that's where I was. I mean, I had some questions along the way, but what my theological training did for me was give me access to the resources that helped undo the views they were trying to teach me um, in terms of, you know, the broadness of theological resources, scriptural commentary, reading the scripture in original language. reading Jewish resources, uh, which led to a whole bunch of stuff, and then beginning to read other religious tradition uh, traditions and their views on God. And, and then, of course, doing what we're doing here, doing pub theology, conversations with folks from different religions, different walks of life. And all of that helped undo sort of this, the sure foundation that I was given or that was supposed to be sure. And I just realized, you like to think it's sure, but guess what? It isn't, and it's time we need to open our minds to the broadness
2: of, of the mystery. i give you two more years before you become a unity minister. Just look at this guy. It's got I, to- you
1: know what, Brian? I love the fact that you're a UCC minister, and you, you feel this way, and you think this way. Because I love... I, I, I want to hear your journey with you teaching people this way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... And I think that's something that I'm finding in the UCC that was not in the tradition I was coming from is that there is space for people to be on a journey and to have these questions. And so there's no, there's no set theological doctrine that you need to subscribe to, to be a member of a UCC church. Um, And I just find that so refreshing because the tradition I'm coming from, you had to sign on to some pretty specific things um, to be a member or certainly to be a pastor and so to find a, a, a free space in which to explore faith, and yes, explore the Christian tradition, but there's openness to that, and openness to also learn from other religious traditions, and I just, I love it.
2: I have two questions. One, how much gas is in that lighter? And two, (laughs) is it burning your thumb as you hold it down? Mm. Mm. (laughs) It's so so hard to stay focused with you. As we're pondering the
0: mysteries, and there is a bright light that's...
2: Let there be light. Let there be light.
0: Okay,
1: you're, you're a super visual person, aren't you?
2: Oh, my God. You have no idea. I am literally that dog and Up with the squirrel thing. <laughs> me. Exactly.
0: Like every time he fires up that lighter, I'm like, ooh, pretty. <laughs> it's a new lighter that I bought for the camping trip up to the island, and we ended up not using it, so it's uh,
2: a Well, let's go in tonight, man. It's, it's go gonna, time, baby. Fire that puppy up. It's going to be empty tonight.
0: We're burning the lighter at both ends. Sir. Oh, my goodness. All right, so some follow-up questions. Do you think God is a being or a person? Does God have intentions? Is God conscious?
2: No, no, and no, and no. I knew it. Too easy. <laughs> Tina, what do you think?
1: Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Would you yeah, say I'm, yes? You a witch
1: I'm kind of going with Ogan on this one. Like, I, don't, I don't picture God as having human emotions sitting on a cloud somewhere, dictating everything we do. I don't see God as a micromanager. Um, I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if I see God as a conscious being. It's to me, it's more of an energy.
0: Mm-hmm. So the classic, um, classic theism holds that God is all powerful, all knowing and good and a conscious being who has intention, has a will um, brought the world into being is not to be confused with the world. So you guys aren't subscribing to that one.
1: No, I think if you would have stopped halfway through, you were pretty, you were pretty good there. Let's <laughs> stop.
2: stop.
0: <laughs> so, so you were okay with all, all knowing and all powerful.
1: I, I, I am because, like, I, I think that, um, for as much as God gets involved in our lives, it's not because God knows best, it's because we're kind of on a training ground and we're like co-conspiring with God and like God's kinda leading us, um, but we're we're coming up with stuff too, we're creating this ourselves and um, God's just kinda like, is this what you want? Is this really what you want? Because if you want it, I'm gonna give you the energy to make it happen. You know what I mean?
0: I do and I think what you're saying actually tracks more with process theology then sort of with the definition I just gave in process theology states that God is unfolding uh, and God does not necessarily know the future and God is working with people to bring about a preferred future rather than forcing people into certain decisions and so it would say oh, God like is God isn't necessarily all-powerful but God works with um, other beings and creatures to to bring about goodness
1: I think God's all powerful. I just don't think He's a dictator.
0: He just doesn't use it all the time.
2: Absence, well, I, I don't. The absentee, I don't absentee, he absentee, the absentee landlord philosophy.
0: <laughs> so he's got he's got all power, or we should say, she has. She is all powerful, but she doesn't always exercise it.
1: Yeah.
0: Or doesn't exercise it in a way that.
1: No, no. I don't associate with power will. with will. I don't associate power with with forcing. You know what I mean? Like. God has all the power in the world. I'm sure God could just destroy this earth if, you know, that's that was what... But I don't think God is emotionally connected to us to actually even... Like, it's not like God's emotionally invested in us. It's just kind of like... See,
0: I, I think God is emotionally invested.
2: I don't know. So God's, I, God's, God's a, God's a um, non-involved landlord who's also emotionally... Uh, um, disconnected from us. Disconnected. I mean, well, deserter parent.
0: On Xanax and, you know,
1: <laughs> trying no, to get by, trying, I think. If this is what you want. I'm going to give this to you and go ahead. Here you go.
0: Oh, like part Bruce of the mighty. Part of the challenge with the idea that God is all powerful and good is that <sighs> if God is all powerful and good, how do such. Terrible things happen in the world. How can evil have such a such a presence in our world? Because if God really could do anything and is good, like someone who's morally good, would not allow, let's say, uh, a tsunami to wipe out, you know, fifty thousand people in a Southeast Asian nation. Um, and the so classic,
2: the classic theodicy conundrum.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, and that's a real problem. I
2: think uh, that. People so the the, the approach the approach that I that I take is, um, rather than God as a being or entity that is all powerful or all knowing. God is, God is the power. God is the knowledge. It wasn't that God created us or this world, but God was God is the ongoing the very act of creation. And So, for example, as we human beings, the expressions of the divine created in the image and likeness of God, we also are imbued with that very essence power of creation. So that's why we can create. We create wonderful things. We create horrible things. Because creation isn't, um, isn't... it's just neutral. It's neither good nor bad. Creation is just creation. You could yes, it, exactly with it. So knowledge is neither good nor bad. You, knowledge just is knowledge, and you can do with it what you want.
1: So there's unrest in this world because there's unrest in us.
2: A- exactly. We the world is the way the world is because we are the way we are. So there's there's no. The, so it's not that God is absent, looking over it. Creation, his or her, its creation. Um, and, and lamenting or whatever, because God's not a being with any kind of emotional feelings, or because when it comes to emotions, then there's always it's always going to be a subjective thing. So, so therefore, when I when I speak about this this presence, I'm referring simply to any qualities you want to ascribe to the divine. It's not that the divine possesses these qualities. The divine is these qualities, and these qualities are also us because we are inherently divine. That's you know that's where my belief uh, system is. So therefore, that question of why does God allow these things, bad things, to happen, isn't a question I ever have to ask. The problem's not struggling with the answer. The problem's the question for me. God doesn't allow anything. We we as the Embodiment of creation that God is. We are the ones who are creating. What's orchestrating happened? it. Yeah, we're orchestrating it here. And and nature is nature. There's no there's no puppet master pulling the strings. The tsunami happened because there was tectonic plate chests I mean, hello, science. Right. You know. Whoa,
0: easy. This is not science theology yeah. 101 Or wait, pub science? I'm teasing. I'm totally science. teasing. No, I mean I resonate with a lot of what you say, Ogan. Um, that that we are uh, representations of the divine and that we have some of the divine within us. And I think you have to admit, whatever your view of God is, that, as you said, what happens in the world is either nature unfolding itself and or humanity choosing to use the capacities we have to bring about good or or bad. Um, you know, when's the last time we saw you know, a divine intervention that somehow countered the laws of nature or didn't require human workings or didn't use nature. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't happen.
1: Uh, I don't agree that it doesn't happen.
0: Oh, all don't right, bring it, bring it. I think we, I, yeah, we're tapping into the miracles here, aren't we? Give us
2: an example.
1: No, I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but I will say <laughs> that I think... um. Our view of God dictates our life.
2: Oh, I agree. I, I agree with you totally. Um, our, I believe our our understanding of God is a reflection of our understanding of ourselves and and vice versa. This is why I think for so many centuries and millennia, people have ascribed the human emotions to God. So God gets angry. God gets sad. God laments over its creation because that's what... We would do, and therefore, you know, we are creating God in our image, not the other way around. So that's how you would explain those scriptural references. Um, I believe so, because because yeah. you know the context of again when they were written and the um, understanding of where hum humanity was at that time. As we sure. evolved in our understanding, you know, not from an arrogant place of saying we figured it all out. We, we haven't. Like, like you know, just this Sunday, I was making references to Genesis, and I said, you know, the creation myth, it didn't happen that way. Even the even the the authors of Genesis didn't write some literal interpretation. It was a creation myth. Like
0: Phil Collins, for example. Was, a different, that's a different Genesis.
2: <laughs> different Genesis. There you go, I gotcha. Um, so, but but here we are, you know, in the, in, what are we, are we in the 21st century yet? Yeah, 21st century we and and we end. think we've got this handle on how the universe was created, and we've created our own creation myth. We call it the Big Bang theory. You know? Sure, but no again, doubt, it's just another story. There are other there are other stories and other theories about how the universe was created, other than the Big Bang theory. So, so every with every deepening of understanding and evolution of human generation, there's always going to be this rewriting. Of our understanding of God.
1: Okay, but but knowing, let's go back to the miracle thing. But knowing that our view of God, um, like we're co-creators, whatever you know, we believe that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you believe that we can kind of make things happen when we we're in line with God? Like, do you think?
2: Well, when you yeah, when God you've, and our
1: intentions, we all work together, and and miracles can happen.
2: What do you define as a miracle? When you say miracle, what do you mean?
1: I mean something that you really can't explain. Because I'm a very scientific person. I believe in science. But I know there's things beyond science. that we There are sciences that we don't understand yet. So things that we can't quite explain.
2: Oh, yeah. But that doesn't mean, because we can't explain them, that doesn't mean I'm going to say it's a being God up there making it happen. Like, like, there's, you mean, that's sure. But you don't think
1: the force of God, that energy of God, has anything to do with it? You don't think God, like, co-conspires and kind of helps us out sometimes?
2: So, to to work with my definition of God, yes, I do believe that when we when we realize our divine nature, if you will, and truly live from that place. Yes, uh, we will do things, things will flow into our lives that would seem to defy the quote unquote normal way of things, but I don't call those miracles. I what call, call I call that a natural consequence of choosing, of intentionally choosing our thoughts, our actions, and our beliefs.
1: So it's just synchronicity.
2: It's an intentional consequence. Like, if... So for example, if, you know, let's go to that, you know, famous Einstein quote, if you believe the universe is a friendly or unfriendly place, if you believe the universe is a friendly place, people are, um, by nature, want to do good, want to share, want to love, want to connect, you are going to interact with this world and with people in a totally different way than if you don't. And as a result of that, things in your life will happen much differently than if they don't. So I don't necessarily call it a miracle. I call it a natural consequence of the choices you make in terms of your thoughts, your feelings, and your beliefs. Okay. Yeah, and you're right. A lot of that stems around what we believe about God. So if we do believe that, you know, God is this omnipotent being, you know, and things are predestined and God's pulling the strings and we're just like, you know, basically pawns in this game, then yeah, we're gonna think we have you know, that the, we're just here, there's not much we can do, um, but if we, you know, however many other different thoughts and beliefs you want to have around God are going to, I think, lead, allow your life to unfold in a certain way because of the choices that you make from that belief. Okay. I think
0: I'm somewhere, I, I mean, I think in some ways I agree with both of you in that, I don't think with Ogin that God is somewhere outside creating miraculous happenings that counter the laws of nature or, you know, are somehow alien or foreign to the creation itself. But I also, with Tina, think, as you said, that we can be in a place where we are tuned into um, the divine presence, the divine spirit and um, and experience something that we can't explain. Um, so I I I get that also, and I think I think there has to be for me some room for for that um, surprise and mystery and that thing that I can't quite grapple. Though I think if we could, you know, figure it out, I'm sure there could be a scientific explanation. But that doesn't mean that those things can't happen.
2: And it doesn't need to be a scientific explanation. It could be a spiritual explanation. I'm not saying well, I, don't, yeah. I don't get surprised, uh, right. either, or or you know things don't unfold in ways that that make me sit back in awe and wonder. Like that still happens, but I'm just clear it's not, you know, because I prayed hard to God.
0: I mean, it is almost a miracle that my battery hasn't run out yet, uh, and we're <laughs> still doing this podcast.
2: Almost. Well, Oh,
1: again, I don't believe that either. I don't think that if you pray hard enough that your will is going to overtake everything. Right. But when you don't understand things, and if you would have read that email I sent you, you would understand what I'm talking about. But if you um, don't understand things that are going on and you, you...
2: Well, I'm sorry that your email was like 28 pages long. I mean, Whatever,
1: God, dude. Oh, you have such me. a short attention
2: span. Thing and I'm like, holy crap! It's going on and on and on. Oh my God,
1: okay. Uh,
0: you better just forward that one to me.
1: She wrote I'm an, going to Brian. I'll send you an it. And Brian, I would like your opinion.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna get to it. I promise. Whatever. All right, all right. So emails aside, uh, a question is: Does it matter whether God exists or not? Or, or put another way, what are the ramifications if God does exist? And maybe. We're working a bit with a classical definition of God, and what are the ramifications if God does not exist?
1: Yeah, you need to talk to to like traditional Christians about that because I think that it's more impactful for them. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Because,
1: well, I don't know, because I'm the one who always says, if God doesn't exist, what's the point?
0: So, well, there you go. I mean, so that's that's worth exploring.
2: Well, if God doesn't exist, the point is whatever you make it to be. But, again, I think this... Don't roll your eyes at me. There was an eye roll. There was, a, there was an eye, And it wasn't even zoomed in on her face, but I could see... There the was
1: eyes. a hand flying, too.
2: Hands are flying, <laughs> heads are flying back. I'm like, good Lord. But 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 I'm serious, because let's look at the people who don't believe in God. Who, for them, God is a non-existent factor in their life. What is the point of their life? They. they I should. know. They choose the point of their life.
0: No, they all sit around depressed, wondering what is the point of their life. <laughs> they
2: choose. They choose their meaning. So, so you know, I'm not being facetious about this, but again, it. I think that question is a is can be answered by the first question you asked about how do we define God. No doubt, no doubt, and I I do think the meaning thing is a huge
0: piece of this, as as Tina said. If God doesn't do this, what's the point? Or you know, why do we have purpose? Do we have meaning? If this, if everything is just matter, that's just.
2: But why can't we? It's so hard to say that we can choose our purpose and our meaning. Like like, that's not heresy. Well, no, I, I think we, we, we can and, and do. Just
1: blink off into nothing. What's the whole? Who cares? We're a moment in time. Who cares? But
2: who cares is the people around us and ourselves that interact with us in that blink of the moment of time that we're here. That's who cares, okay. and especially if if one of us—I mean, you know, the three of us—it'll probably not be me. But if one of us makes some really meaningful contribution to humanity you know, <laughs> that that lives on beyond us, then this is a hypothetical. There was there was some point and and meaning to that.
1: Why? Why? You know?
2: Because I mean, it made us. If
1: in a million years humanity doesn't even exist, what does it even matter?
2: Well, if you want to be that nihilistic about it, you're welcome to that, you know, perspective. But for me, I know for me, that can lead me down a rabbit hole of yes, uh, depression. Um, right. What's the point? Why well, even bother to get off the couch or just sit here in my, you know, own, you know, piss infected sofa and just eat potato chips all <laughs> oh, well, long? What we would be dark a dark place exactly.
1: <laughs> this is a very dark place
2: <laughs> right but but for me, it's like i'm I'm choosing to give my life meaning, which is to love fully and, and be happy and to be the best version of myself that I can be that's that's Amen. I'm given to my life, and um it doesn't matter that it won't matter a thousand years or five thousand years from now it, it, matters it, now. it, just, it just won't okay.
0: Yeah, you know, I read this interesting um, thing that I hadn't really heard of before, and that was the idea of subjective immortality versus objective immortality. And subjective immortality is the idea that I, as a person with my in my mind, or my consciousness, it survives beyond my physical body. So when I die, either I'll be in heaven, but I'll still be conscious, or I'll be in a uh, reincarnated or a resurrected physical body but I'm still Brian, right? I am still have my memories and my personality, whatever that is. That's subjective.
2: Walking around with your cigarette lighter in heaven. And just chilling,
0: <laughs> drinking beers in the backyard past sundown. Uh, and then objective is the idea that the things that I've contributed to this world will reverberate and live on beyond me. Almost right. in perpetuity, like because I existed, the nature of reality is different at some level, and that will continue on. But I won't be around
2: to enjoy it or be aware of it. I think both of those propositions are highly arrogant. Whoa! Okay. We don't, think we
1: don't, we don't matter as individuals at all.
2: I'm gonna. Well, to go back to what you said, Tina. Given, I mean, given how old the universe is, given how short a period any of us humans are gonna be alive in 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 relation to that, given where our planet Earth exists in, in the cosmos, like we are we are insignificant. I mean in the grand scheme of things, you know, you and I are we we're insignificant. But so at the same, what's
1: the point?
2: The point is in the brief flicker of time that we're here, we can give ourselves and the people around us and the life around us meaning but we also have to realize it's kind of this paradox. Yes, there can be full there can be fulfillment and meaning in this brief experience that we call our life, but in the grand scheme of things, our life really means nothing. Kind of means nothing in the, in the long run. But
1: now you're depressing me. That's off.
2: <laughs> but that's the paradox of it. And to be able to lift ourselves past that that massive picture but at the same time hold on to it so it does gives us a sense of of humility so we don't feel like, you know, my life is so important or more important than anybody else. That'd be a balance. Yep. Yeah. You know, it kind of puts things in context for me. So for me, when, when, you know, I'm getting carried away with something I think is so important and so vital to what I think is going to be my existence and welfare. I like to look at that poster that is, you know, like a, a big print of the cosmos and the universe. And there's this little white dot in the bottom right hand corner that says, you are here. Like, you know, it puts things in perspective to me. Like, nothing is that is, is, is so magnificently important that I think I got to get my life bent out of shape about. So, okay. so it's kind of balancing those... Uh, two things or or more of an integrating the two together rather than balancing them uh, inter, uh, full integration of those two concepts the, my, my life, the meaning of my life is what I give to it and ultimately let me not be so arrogant to think that my life is going to have some ultimate meaning
0: okay. boom, that sounds like a good final word from Ogan. there I appreciate that uh, kaboom, any, any last thoughts to add to that Tina?
1: I kind of think he's full of shit and he's just trying to uh, play the middle ground like he usually does, but
0: okay, I All think right. it's a good
1: wow. final word. So you know.
0: There we go. There we go. Wow. She just said, take that final word and put it, you know, where, well, I would say, you know, for those tuning in, um, whatever your view on God is, whether you're a Christian and worship Jesus or you're a Muslim and you worship Allah or you don't know what you believe, uh, whatever your view on these things is, my hope is that we can have these kinds of conversations in ways that are mutually beneficial, and that even if we disagree, we can work together for the common good. So that's going to be a wrap to our show tonight of Episode 21. Thank you for tuning in. Please connect and spread the word on social media. You'll find us on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram you can tune in to these episodes anytime on your favorite podcast app and if you want to create a pub theology in your town visit pubtheology.com for resources and thanks again to our sponsor Craft Beer Cellar that's C-E-L-L-A-R visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you and friends we are out oh boy